0: Um, hi, good, good morning. Uh, t- the topic for today's uh, discussion is uh, infusing plimius in the age of chitzainius, or infusing meaning in the age of superficiality. I want to begin with two stories, and uh, I'd like to hear, get your feedback on what you think about these two stories. I, of course, have my own perspective, which might be clear from the, from the heading, But uh, I really would like to, I'm open to other people's opinions, and either I'll convince you that my opinion is more effective or not. Either way is fine. These are uh, both uh, true stories. Uh, Well, a long time ago I got a phone call from a father from out of town. He wanted a phone consultation, and uh, he was very concerned. He had a 70-year-old son who uh, had dropped out of yeshiva already for a while, and he was uh, working in a pizza shop. And the main focus of his uh, concern was his son's inappropriate dress, inappropriate music, inappropriate hairstyle, inappropriate friends. But he wanted to reassure me that there was one piece of good news that he wanted to share share with me, is that um, he got his son to learn every day for an hour with a chavrusa. Now, since it didn't really sound like the type of thing that the kid was into, I said, well, how did you manage to do that? He said, well, what I did was, since he's halishing to drive... I told him that he could only I'll only permit him to take driver's ed if he learns every day with a chavrusa for an hour. The son was furious about it but felt that he really had no choice other than to agree so he agreed. That's story number 1. Story number 2 happened more recently a young man who I was working with who because of a lot of conflict in the family, had uh, moved away from Frumkai gradually over time. By this time of this story, he was ready no longer Shemr Shabbos for the most part. And uh, he went to visit a friend of his who went to a yeshiva that's geared for kids at risk or pre-at-risk kids. They had a friend there and he got into a conversation with he got into a conversation with the menal of the, this yeshiva. And in conversation it came out that his big passion his, uh, he had a great passion for music Any type of music, including Jewish music And he himself was quite talented in that area And he had a, gr- a dream that he would become That he would uh, get into the Jewish music field So this Manal told him That it happens to be that I'm a very close friend With one of the big people in the Jewish music field And I could get you an appointment And you could know, speak to this person He was like, this young man was incredibly excited about this you know He dreamt about this all the time but then he added a caveat. There's one condition: you have to come and learn every day for two hours in the yeshiva, and then I'll set up this meeting for you. So I'd, I'd like to hear from you what what you think about, you know, whether you think it's a good idea or not a good idea what this father did and what this the banal benal did, and what do you think the possible consequences would be? Yes. The father did is
1: told to backfire. Okay. Backfire. It's too much pressure. Uh huh. He's getting him in a you know something that the child wants nailing him down to something that
0: the child can't do right now. Okay. And what about what the Manal did? Similar, but
1: maybe not as tough. I think mean, mm. it is tough
0: as two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Any other, uh, yes?
1: Just a comment. I think sure. it's a little additional depending on what the environment of the learning was if he was able to manipulate it so that the boy was learning in a way that he actually enjoyed what he was learning and had a harusa that was somebody who could relate to or something content that they were learning was something that could
0: impact the child maybe there would be a little bit more of a leeway in both cases for the manipulation of the item for the learning Uh Uh, anybody else want to know Uh, okay see it's true. The problem with what you're saying, you know, is that let's say if, if there was nothing negative happening, in other words, let's say you stomp, get a guy in the street, and uh, thank you very much. Okay. So let's say if you, if you stomp, find somebody in the street, and you, know, you somehow entice them to come in, and you get some a guy to learn with them and something that's interesting, so even if he wasn't all that excited about it in the beginning, there isn't, it's sort of more neutral. It could be if it's the right person with the right topic and the right <coughs> environment, in fact, that could happen. Uh, it's You know, when it's when it's, when a child is being blackmailed into doing something that he clearly doesn't want to do, see if the parents would sit and say, listen, maybe try, he's a real nice guy, this guy. You know, if you can talk him into it, it's one thing. When you have this negative, a very strong negative feeling, uh, you know, it's, I think it's highly unlikely to work. With the second situation, I was more familiar. In the first situation, I never spoke to the boy. In the second situation, I did speak to the boy, and he was, like, furious about it because he felt it was being dangled in front of him something that he wanted so much and, you know, that was being used as a way he, like, you know, was a no with a big olive. So, now, the reason, I think, here, the reason why people do these type of things is because, uh, in fact, with this story with, uh, with, uh, with uh, the father, I told this story over this past summer to Remikli Vudelotkowitz when I was in Eretz Yisrael. I had a meeting with him and I asked him this question and he told me he told me, anybody who thinks this way doesn't understand the first thing in Chinoch. I afterwards, I, when I wrote it up, this conversation, I changed the Loshen to Loshen Nikiah just not to insult anybody, but I'm telling you through the way he told it to me. Uh, right? And, and so the question is, why do people do things like that? And I think the reason why people do things like that is because it's not because they don't understand the technique, it's not a problem in techniques. It's a problem, I think, in the whole perspective, the whole attitude, and, uh, you know, a, a wrong understanding. Perhaps we can get an idea about this from uh, the, the Rav Chaim Shmuelovitz has an incredible and on, on, on the Indian of the miragalim We know that the, uh, the Chazal tell us that Kali Israel had to be in the Midbar for 40 years because they were punished for one year for each day that they went through Eretz Yisrael. So Chaim asked, they didn't, do any, they didn't do anything wrong when they went to Eretz Yisrael. The Avera was only one day, not not 40 days. When they came back from Eretz Yisrael, and they said, and Eretz Yisrael, that was the Avera. So, so why are they being punished for 40 days? So Chaim says that what they did on the last day, when they came back, was a natural consequence of what they saw. The problem is that they saw everything with an iron rod That's how they saw everything. So, it's not a time on them why they said bad about Eretz Yisrael. They saw bad. So, of course they said bad. They were supposed to report what they saw. The problem is, why did they see everything bad? Right? So, when you have the wrong perspective, then the behaviors that come from the perspective is not the problem. The problem is the perspective. And the Mechtel Muyo says, and I quote, He says... Rav Dessler says that ours is a generation of Chitzainius, of superficiality. And I doubt if anything got much better since the time of Rav Dessler when he said this. Baruch Hashem, from what I heard, you know, before I go speak somewhere, I ask around a little bit about the school to see if there's anything I should focus on. I must say that it doesn't sound like this is such a big problem in a teret, Baruch Hashem, but I guess all good things can use chizuk. So if all we do, perhaps I'm preaching to the choir, but nonetheless... You know, uh, I'm sure it's something that we can all uh, uh, you, uh, could benefit from thinking more about. Now, w- when we talk about chitzinius, there's really two a- angles of it. Uh, chitzinius can be a lack of depth, right? Or chitzinius could be a lack of seeing things from a broad perspective. Now, chitzinius is not only in, 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 in Gashmius, you know, that's the most obvious chitzinius of our generation, but there could even be a and in I always find it very sad when I speak to Bacharim, who are having some emotional problems, and I speak about them growing up and their whole attitude toward learning. Uh, many of them have been told throughout the years, you know, the reason why, what do you think they're told? Why, why should they learn well? What's the reason a Bachar should learn well? To get a good shittab. That's That's the one and almost only reason that they're told. I find mind-boggling. Do you really who? believe
1: anybody said that? Who t- yeah. Who, t- who told they 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 yeah. No. no, no. Yeah. That's what the parents
0: <laughs> tell. You know why you're supposed you to, to hang up your you jacket know. when you come into that, when you come into the house? I like that. Which girl's going to marry a guy who doesn't wear, the, who <laughs> yeah, doesn't is. hang up his jacket? Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, yes. What? You, are you? You? I never said it, no.
0: I I don't say things from the family here. Don't worry. But he would stand No. Um, no people actually told these things now again the reason why this happens I don't think any person who said it actually believed I don't don't, don't say anybody but I think most of the people who said it probably don't actually believe that that's going to be the number one reason Taruna should have if he doesn't hang up his jacket but because they think it's important to hang up a jacket they think it's worth saying you understand which we'll see more examples about in in a minute another example of this as is a, a uh, somebody a young man I was working with happened to be a teacher in in, uh, in, a, in a yeshiva in a mainstream yeshiva and he asked his eighth graders if they had a choice to either be very good in learning or that they should be perceived as good in learning only one they can act, not one it has to be one or the other which would they prefer the overwhelming majority of the class said they would rather be perceived as being good in learning, best
1: learning, best learning.
0: Okay, now, now I'm actually it's it's not so surprising because again I think they hear this uh, uh, a fellow I was working with who lived in Bar Park I remember he was going out to play basketball so he was wearing his sneakers to go from his house to the car that was parked in front of his house and mother got hysterical that he'll let me get a shit up. Somebody's going to see him walking with sneakers. He was clearly going to play basketball. He wasn't going to school or anything, you know, but to go from his front door to the, she didn't tell him it's not the proper thing to do. She didn't say it's the wrong for you. She, she didn't say, I, I don't know if I would agree with that either, but at least it would be a good reason, right? Since she, she said you, you won't get a shit up. That's the reason. Now, if you think this is, uh, you know, interesting, somebody just showed me my my, my Kavrusa this morning, showed me actually very appropriate for today showed me from the I think it's from a recent Ted, January 11th uh, in the Khinuch round Roundtable here very interesting I'm sorry uh, no no that, I think I don't, I, I don't this is two, two interesting stories here that were told by, t- by a teacher one, one 11th grader was told by this is the main question here 11th, uh, an 11th Eleven-year-old, yeah, eleven-year-old boy was told by his mashgiach they should go home and smash his iPod because that's what's preventing Mashiach from coming. Okay, and then one of the mechanchim responded to this question, the question was what, what to tell the child about what the the manal said. Actually, excellent answers. Every one of the answers I think were excellent. You know how to balance the covet of the Rebbe with. Making sure the kid doesn't grow up crazy, like said. he Shouldn't grow up to be a *machugana*. Um, but the balance, I think, it was like unbelievable answers. Each one was like some *zach*. But the other, one of the *rebbeim*, one of the Mechatim who responded said another story. This is like unbelievable that a *rebbe* told a kid whose mother never had cancer that the reason why his mother had cancer is because he's too much into sports. Okay. Now, now again, I don't think these people were either cruel or, or horrible people. I think it's because they get fixated. This is another form of chitzinius, you know, is when you don't see the broad perspective. You know, this Rebbe probably saw many kids, you know, wasting their time on iPods or looking at inappropriate things on iPods and whatever they do with the iPods. Actually, I don't even know what an iPod looks like, but uh, something, I guess all kinds of bad things can happen with them, right? And and he was very upset about it. And to bring up the point, he, you know, perhaps exaggerated. Uh, You know, the thing with the cancer is a little bit harder to understand. But again, you you get fixated on a certain point that you're trying to get across and sort of uh, you know anything Shohan. goes
1: people say the same thing about the Shohan. you know
0: all, all throughout Nach you yeah so, so first of all when you're relying time on Dibrei Chazal when a Novi says day. it the right.
1: in, that's
0: the whole Novi so well, you know Rav Kamenevsky Kamenetsky said this actually one of the people who responded was Rav Mordechai Kamenetsky and he said over from his grandfather that in the 40s, his father was visiting in a place, and the Rav and that shul, there are many people in that shul who would come to Davening Shabbos morning and then go off to work, as was unfortunately not uncommon in those days. And the Rav gave a drasha the Mashiach is planning to come on Monday, and anybody who goes to work is not going to be able to accompany Mashiach. Right? And so Rav Yaakov got very, very angry about it. And in fact, 40 years later, he once met this Rav. He said, Noob, did I tell you Mashiach was not going to come? And in fact, it was one of, one of the people who came over. After the Drusha, was somebody who was slowly working it toward being Shema He was in the process, and he was afraid that if he doesn't do it right now, that's it, it's all over. And, and Rav Yaakov then says, this, you know, when, you, when a novi says something, so then, you know, that's the way it is. And since we don't have the Vim today, nobody is of today of the position to be able to make such a comment. Of course, you can say if you want to bring Mashiach closer, and of course, doing Tyron Mitzis and Qasad and everything else, of course, we will bring him closer. But to say it's happening for a particular reason, Unless somebody claims to be a Novi, we really don't know. But the reason why people say it, see, when a Novi says it, he can be certain it's going to happen. You know, when the rough says it, I don't know if he was so certain that Michelle was coming on Monday. So what's going to happen afterwards? I don't think he was thinking about that. He was thinking about getting people not to go to work that particular, sh- that particular Shabbos. That's a very narrow perspective. I think because of... Uh, of, of, of this narrow perspective, I think that's the reason why there's such a proliferation. Maybe not in this school, but in most schools, and certainly for younger kids, there's such an incredible proliferation of contests and prizes and, 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 and induced competitiveness. It's, it's it's really it's like a, like a magifa. Uh In fact, that was the main topic of my conversation with Rav Michael about it, and he was very strongly against it. And I actually wrote a paper that you could afterwards take uh, on, uh, based on this whole on this topic. But I think it comes from the same reason. If you want a child to do well today, if you want him to learn well today and you make a contest or give out prizes, you will get him to do it today. There's somehow an assumption, right, that somehow this is going to be internalized, right? Which is an assumption which is not so certain, which we'll, we'll see in a moment. Yeah, so I'm sorry?
1: says, he brings down Shalom... We'll get that, to that in a minute, such of an course. An okay. He's supposed to
0: give
1: prizes well, of and... Course. and
0: Get, and I'll get there in a second L- let me just ask you a question if, if, if somebody had a choice of learning for one hour with a Bren and with a geschmack and with enthusiasm or learning for many hours for you know without enthusiasm what would be better if that was his choice on any given day well,
1: the first one would be to bring more hours in the future
0: okay so
1: we'll continue the
0: relationship with that one hour okay but we're talking even a person himself not necessarily with the reviewer or a teacher you know just if somebody is a, himself all right, so, so the Chazaynish says, I quote the Chazaynish in the Igreus, the Kavitz Igreus, Right? It's better to learn for an hour with the Geshmak than many hours left. Interestingly enough, I, I I saw this Chazaynish years ago, and then a few years later, after I didn't remember where I saw it exactly, I said it over... I was sitting at a shubber with a bunch of friends and I somehow came up in conversation and you know this question and I quoted the Khazainish and I got attacked from about eight people who claimed that the courses and there's no way in the world the Khazainish says it. it. Took me like 4 days to find you know backtrack and find out where I saw it and then when I showed it to somebody inside he said it must be a misprint. Right? It just shows the people's frame of mind how how could 4 how could 1 hour of learning be better than 4 it just doesn't add up. But again it's 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 it's, it's seeing things from a very narrow perspective. And therefore, what we brag very often, what we brag about, is that um, you know how many mishnayos the kids learn balep, and, and you know who won the prizes and, and all the how much money, what budget we spend on. the more money you spend on the budget of prizes, the, the more you can brag about it. Now, would you mention about the chinuch? The, the uh, you know, the, 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 the gemara that says and uh, very often people quote the chinuch who says explains many of the mitzvahs that uh, pulos apulos n'mshatzalavovayz." that our hearts follow our actions. <clears throat> so first of all, actually, if, if, uh, in my paper, I think, I quote many, many, many places, speaks against, he says that Shalei, that, that Shmoa is not so an innocent, harmless topic, thing. He
1: said, the Dar you don't find so much. Okay,
0: yeah, 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 I have all those quotes. I have about 40 quotes I'm here from Rav sure R- 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 No, me. no, 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 but I want to tell you the one, that's how I want to get into what Rav says, because over the years, I've always said, just based on my own what my experience and my common sense is that for the title Ishma, there has to be some element of Ishma to start off with, which Rambassador said. And also, Apulah Shachas requires that the person's heart should be somewhere in the picture. Actually, so somebody I spoke about it somewhere, and somebody showed me that Rav Chaim Friedlander says it in the Sifse Chaim. He says it brings down the Chinuch and it brings down. That's the Gamara about And he says he says it's obvious that this only works if the person wants it. If a person wants a it, Lili it's not going so easy, it's a little difficult. He uses a Lalishma to help, that could work. Do you remember where that is in it's, it's quoted in here? You'll see it in here. Um, uh, likewise another another uh, oh, then he said he brings it a Raya. He can prove it, he's quoting Ribsal solanter on this. Postolanka said that you know the Cossacks were the elite troops, elite troops of Russia, right? They were the most energetic, the most uh, anything like they were like the the, the special forces of of the, of of the of the of the Tsar's army. And they served these kids; uh, these they served for about thirty years or thirty-five years, and then they were retired on a government pension. They got free housing, free clothing, free food. <laughs> Now you know in Eretz Yisrael, when when a general retires, he usually starts a second career. Usually in their 40s, they go into politics or into academia or into, into business. What, what did the Cossacks do when they retired? Anybody have one? Take a guess at it. What did the Cossacks do after they retired? Brush their horses. I'm
1: sorry. Brush their
0: horses. horses. What did you say? <laughs> Got drunk. Yeah, yeah. Not a They brush their horses. They kept them busy. They were drunk. They spent the rest of their life drunk. They didn't have to work for a living. They had a pension, so they spent the rest of their life drunk. As for Eretz what happened to all this, the good habits? For 35 years, they, this reason, got out of bed 4 o'clock in the morning, standing after 2 minutes, you know, waiting for inspection. 35 years of good habits. I mean, what happened to it? So, Chaim you know, Friedlander says, no, that's what it's meant, because they never wanted it. They were drafted into the army. They never volunteered. There wasn't something that they wanted. They were forced to do for 35 years. You can force somebody to do something for 60 years. If that's not where they want to be, you get zero from it. It is scary. It's scary, you know, what's scary about it is because I think it's so often done. <coughs> you know, I've asked people who claim that the of Baal happens automatically. I always ask them this question, especially in yeshiva. I don't know about the girls' school so much, but in yeshiva, I ask somebody, anybody who tells me this, how many bachim do you know, maybe, that you went to yeshiva with, who spent years in yeshiva, right, and they learned, they did whatever they were supposed to do, and then nothing remained of it afterwards. How does people like that? So obviously it's not so partiality. What's funny, after I spoke to Rabbi Yehuda, I met a relative of mine who actually, a young fellow, a guy who also works a little bit in Chinuch, he deals with kids with issues, he works in a certain yeshiva that's geared for these Bacharim. So I told him where Mechel Yehuda told me, uh, you know, against prizes and these uh, type of things. And he says to me, I don't, I don't know, it's hard for me to understand that. He says, you know, when, when, when I was a teenager, I smoked, and it bothered my father a lot. And my father offered me five hundred dollars if I don't smoke for six months, and it worked. I took a stop smoking for six months. So what was my obvious follow-up question? What happened, what happened after, the after the six months? months? Oh, then I started smoking again. Isn't this is is mind-boggling? And he's bringing me this as evidence of, of, of that it works. That's even scarier than everything. You know, if he would have told me, look, it didn't work one hundred percent. Worked a little bit, maybe in a different... At least tell me that he didn't think that was a kasha on his right. I had a similar event in Eretz Yisrael many years ago. I was once speaking in a, to a group of teachers um, who, about the limitations of punishment. Why punishments don't work? Because they don't, they don't internalize. It just scares the kid and doesn't necessarily bring to internalization. So my luck, the one from guy in the crowd raises his hand and says, <laughs> He says, I, I says I, I deal in special ed, he tells me. Uh, and uh, he had a boy that came to him with a, a, a police record yay long and he held him, he had him in his class for two years, I held him on a short reign, and for, for two years he never once got in trouble with the law. Okay, now of course, I, I was about to ask my follow-up question. I didn't even get to it. he says, and I'll prove it to you it was because of the way I dealt with him. Because a week after he left my class he was back in jail. <laughs> a true story. You know, because when you focus only on, 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 on such a limited picture, instead of looking at the whole child and what's going to be with him in the future, we, we can make such mistakes. Yeah, if anybody has any questions, feel free to interrupt or something. Yes. What about,
1: like, offering extra credit if you're given something early? Is that, like, also considered, like, a prize?
0: So I, I, want to talk, I, I can't say on any specific thing, you know, that, that prizes never make sense.
1: Because I just find, like, I get a lot of girls giving in papers early because I dangled extra credit yeah, in front of them. Yeah. And then otherwise, if not, they're like, oh, I can't do it, I don't have time for it, or this, It's okay, so this. Okay, so there,
0: the benefit of it is for yourself, which is legitimate. If you want to not be marking papers from three years ago. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you a funny story that when I was in school, I once wrote a pe- paper on perfectionism. I did a lot of work in writing, writing on that. There were a lot of papers on that point. So my teacher, who my professor, who was a great professor, who usually wasn't mocked at all, when people were h- handing him in papers like three years late, so he got very upset about it, and he made an announcement that uh, that from now on, new policy. He's tired of people handing him papers so late. You know, he forgets who the, who the, the, the student was by the time he's marking the paper. That from now on, if you hand it in late, for each uh, day or week, you get you know a point off. All right, so actually I hadn't come up with the subject until shortly before the time it was due. That's when I found the thing I wanted to write about. So I handed in like two days late, which was the first time in my career in college I ever handed in a paper late. Anyways, he writes on the paper, excellent, late, you know, so excellent, A, late, A minus. In fact, I got that paper published, but I gave me an A minus. So my first reaction, A minus, how can you do this to me, you know? Then I said, how can I go complain on the paper on perfectionism? And I got A minus, so I was left with that. <laughs> So, so that you know, if you use it as a way to, so that it's easier for you, that you don't have to have people spending forever getting, it's not necessarily a chinuch thing for the student, it's for you, which is fine if it helps you, you know.
1: In theory, it would help if I was, wasn't backed up from other things, but <laughs>
0: okay.
1: like, it bothers me when I get half or more it's than. It's fine. So as them. long as you know what
0: you're doing, you know, so if you feel that for you, you know, when when a when a uh, store or when uh, when. when if you pay your bill on time or early, you know, you get uh, you get uh, to 5% off. Nobody has any Havami. They're teaching you, they bring you on zrizis. Right? The company rather have the money paid on time, which is a legitimate thing and, and fine. I heard a very interesting tale. I don't know if any of you heard tapes. There's a, a, big, a very well-known mechanech in Eretz Yisroh, Rabbi Okay, so he has a series of tapes. They're fantastic. You have to go to speak, hear Hebrew a mile a minute, the way he speaks. But he says great things. So he said over here, he said over Gavaltica Gewaltike he said that uh, he once had a friend of his who has a big Hebrot's Tillim organization, and this friend was bragging to him, uh, you know, how many kids he has learning Tillim, and how does he brag to him? His budget for snacks and prizes is a place, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of
1: shekels.
0: Mm-hmm. So told him, you know, so what do you think you're accomplishing? You're accomplishing nothing. They're doing it just for the prizes. There's no purpose to it no, that's who said, maybe they're doing it uh, you know, for L'Shem Shemayim and, and, the, and the person the organizer said, you know what, let's ask them well, ask the boys why they're doing it so Ruchiel told him listen, if you don't know that the kid's going to tell you what he thinks you want to hear, rather than what he thinks, you shouldn't be in this line of work so he said, okay, how should we find out so Rukhil Jacobson came up with an ingenious idea he said, tell the boys that there's a kid in the neighborhood, who you're trying to convince to come, he doesn't want to come and everybody write an anonymous letter. Don't sign your name to it. Right? Why you should come. Mm-hmm. You should come because you have nothing else to do anyways. And there's so much good snack. And we have great prizes. He said, now, I think one kid out of a hundred wrote something about Ruchnius. Oh, but
1: that might be because they wanted to entice oh, the other boys. All
0: right. I knew you were going to ask that question, so I prepared sure the follow-up. Well I, mean, well, been listen been to, well, I mean, it's only it's half, half the story. The it's only half day. the story. Yachazin was, was then told him, Go see Dude by the Girls, because they also had a similar group, and you'll see by the Girls, they'll be different. So they did it by the Girls, and by the Girls, completely different. They all wrote Brooklyn as the reason. Yeah. So the guy was like, shocked. <laughs> I knew you'd like that part of the story. Now, he, was, he was like, shocked. Like, how did this happen? What did he do? He said, You want to see why? And I'll show you why. He took him to the boys. If he comes to the boys, Chevers, tell him the Madrid comes in, plops down a big box of snack. And he takes out a new bamba, you know, uh, grapefruit flavored bamba. I know he makes stuff. He says, "Look, boys, this new look at this new snack. Isn't it worth coming to Chaver's Tell him?" And everybody gives a Bronx gear. Comes to the girls, shows them by the girls. The madrichai has nothing to do with the snack. She, she comes in and she gives them a show what they're doing, how wonderful it is, and what they're doing for klai and what they're doing for themselves. And at the end, there's a girl whose, whose job is as they leave, each one gets their bag of snack. Right? The shal what are you selling? That is the question. By, by the boys they were selling Bamba, and by the girls they were selling Ruchnias. That could be, giving the snack of then may have been something that added to the thing, but that's at least, you know, why are we selling the wrong? We're selling Sheduchem, and we're selling your reputation, and what people think about you, and we're not sell, we're not even selling Ruchnias. How in the world are they supposed to internalize Ruchnias if it's not even on the menu? Recently a boy told me that uh, he was told the reason, his parents always told him, the reason why you should learn and dress properly and do all those things because you have to get a girl from the A list. You know, it's only after he was in therapy for a year. He, what happened was, after a year of therapy, he suddenly realized he doesn't even want a girl from the A list. You know, that's not, that's not the type of girl that he needs. Okay, now, you know, a similar idea, you know, when we think about what we're selling, you know, when they have these Midas campaigns in the Yeshiva, right? I, I remember there's a particular school, I won't say in what city. That, that it is, is known, that prides itself in its advertisements, they're very big on teaching Midas. That's a very big thing by them. And they have campaigns and contests and, and prizes and whatever you want. There's only one problem. So the deep a vain, don't treat the kids with Midas. They embarrass kids in public. It, it, it's Geferlich, you know? And I, I, how could you, how, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. Somebody thinks that it's going to work that way. Not only that, even a, a Midas camp, a contest in and of itself is teaching gaiva and 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 uh, and, and and the chave, right?
1: It's incredible
0: people think this works. Remikli Huda told me that people think the problems with, with contests, let's say Mishnaev's contest, is the problems of the ones who don't win. That that people could understand. You know, unless a kid doesn't win. you know, so of course he's, he never gets his, he gives up after a while. That people understand. He says, No, it's a much bigger problem for the kids who win, not the kids who lose. The kids who win, besides Gaiva, which is things that people do understand, they're under such tremendous pressure. He told me mevila I said, "What about present company?" But okay,
1: <laughs>
0: no, you know, it's true. I dealt many of my patients that come to me are b'chrim who were the top and the most. This one boy told me that there wasn't one contest in his school that he never that he didn't win. He won every single contest, and he's a dread every new contest that came out. He was under such pressure because he always had he felt he had to win. Right, so it's the Tell me, it's the winners who we have to worry about, not the ones who lose. So the same thing. let see. If, if if you have, it's not only in, in Ruchniyas, Let's say if you have a child who's very shy, right? And you want to encourage them to be more uh, outgoing, right? Now, if you force it, you have to be very delicate how you do it. If you if you force a child to do something that's overwhelming to them. A mother once asked me, she had a, 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 her son. Her young son was, was very, very shy. And one of the kids in the school was making a birthday party. And the kid was very frightened. He just, was just too scared for him to go. Should she make? Should she force him to go? So I say, forcing him to do anything is not going to work. On the other hand, encouraging him to go might help. Now, what is he scared of? He's scared that he's going to be panicking there and he's, he's going to be trapped there. So I said, tell him like this. Give him a cell phone or give him your, your cell phone number. And tell the, the mother when you bring him that you might be getting him a dentist appointment. I think this is McNair Shalom here applies. I said, tell, tell that you have a dental, he might, you might be getting him a dentist appointment, and that he should call a little later to check with you if you got him a dentist appointment. right? You tell him, go there for a half hour, see how you feel. If you calm down and you see it's not so bad, then you could stay. If, if you feel like coming home, call me and ask me if I got you a dentist appointment. And then I'll tell you, I have one, I'll come pick you up. And it worked. He calmed down, and he ended up enjoying himself. So just forcing somebody to do something that's only going to generate more anxiety, of course, would be counterproductive. Okay, now, I think one of the reasons why we put so much focus on external behavior is because there seems to be an assumption that, that uh, kids are naturally lazy and unmotivated. Unless we're hypervigilant and use artificial inducements and there's no way we can let them to, to learn and, and to behave which of course becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if this is what we believe the most effective way to to motivate anybody is through a relationship and I quote again from Rav Chaim Friedlander in a safer called Mesilas Chaim Bechinuch that came from somebody put together in Tav and based from his tapes uh, I'm not sure if it's in here or not but it's on page 103 and 104 if anybody wants to look it up like this, you know, usually when you say that this student is, is capable you know, because I remember the rabbis were saying yeshiva What oh, doesn't he how does the rabbi know that you could based on what, because you're smart that's the number one, probably the one and only criteria, do why Because he smart that's the only thing you need to do well in school is to be smart. That's probably one of the least things you need. Oh, I'm sorry. I, okay. I said the Rebbe, the Rebbe... I stand corrected. The, the Rebbe says. The Rebbe says. Uh, you know, be shame if you didn't know you were capable. Okay, so I wouldn't be upset at you. Uh, you know, I would understand. But 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 you are capable. So of course, you get two smacks. Now, how does he know he's capable? Based on what? What criteria does he look at that he's capable? He's smart. The only criteria they look at: if you're smart, then you're capable of everything. Being smart is probably one of the least. Necessary qualities or tools a person needs to be matzliach. There's actually a the first shirlo and others that says over uh, there in, in, in you know the memchesh uh, darch shatay niknas b'hem. One of them is the uh, simcha, and the first shirlo says something approximately like eluchadover hamineya shkedah havanev zikaren k'maya atzusah daiga. That that uh, uh, sadness and worry is the number one uh impediment to being able to use your head for remembering mm-hmm. and understanding. Doesn't so say anything but he doesn't even mention uh the uh, smartness, IP, or anything of that nature. So this is what Hein Wheeler write. He says, uh hu Hu echa dakishoyse. The the main Kishan a child needs is is a is a motivation to learn. He quotes a Khazinish, the Kay Kahiba P sea samla salevli vlaya bina vedas. If the child likes what he needs, likes the one who's teaching him and the subject he's learning that opens up the mind to swallow chokhmah bina vadas. Then he writes like this: Rav Chaim Friedlander. Hatavki chilanu litzay rotz on etzalat talmid. We have to create motivation. How do you do that? V'dover ze yase rakim neidah likshar sharem nashiim im talmideino. It's through our emotional connection with the student. Hakesha nashi hu Sinor hamashpia meharav leiva talmid. Rakba Tali Shallakesha Anashi Nuha Litzer Venasha Shall I Rasha Saratsa Lilmai, Alcane Alamelame, Litzer Bikis Tosay, Avira Naika, Avira Sim Simpsmeha Hatisaka Zlade. Is that in
1: your article?
0: It might uh, probably. If not uh, Is that
1: safer available?
0: Uh I have it. <laughs> Somebody gave it to me, I don't know. Uh, imagine. If you want to borrow it, if you don't if you can't find it, you want to borrow it and all then. Um and he, he, he relates with Chaim Friedland. that's why the Musa the the more says there were Tanaim when they started their shir, they would say something light, something interesting, perhaps a joke, I don't know, something that that you know to get people in the right mood. This is not only this is for those said regarding teachers, the Ali Shura Volva says it regarding regarding parents. This is a caliph pageamach. He says Dafka ovais hemame if you want a kid to keep the right track, it's your relationship with him that does it. a kid to in the right track, it's your relationship with him that does it. He, he elaborates on this in the Sefer on Zero the because when they're young, you can use coercion to get them to do almost anything because they're very dependent on you. But of course, then they become teenagers, and somehow, all of a sudden, something happened. Nothing all of a sudden happened. It's going on for years. He just was afraid to show it up. Now, w- w- even when one uses rewards, let's say we know Chazal do mention, uh, there's a famous Rambam in, in the in the in T'Chilek, in you know, he writes about when they're little, you give them candy. When they get older, you buy them clothes. And they get older, you buy something else. And they get older, you give them a stella. Right? Mm-hmm. What? 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 let Right. So, obviously, there is a place for it. The question is, what is what is the purpose? What would you say if you had to use like one word? Like, or, you know, what what is the purpose of a prize? What do we typically think the purpose of offering a kid a prize so if he does something? Incentive. 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 I heard an unbelievable take about the Shavuot song. It was mind-boggling. Essentially, interesting, actually this drusha he gave or schmooz, it was actually trans it was translated and printed in a very hush of a um, monthly uh magazine, but I think the guy who wrote it got the whole point exactly wrong, <laughs> in my humble opinion. I listened to the tape a few times and, and he got it wrong. I maybe didn't listen to then because at the end he clarified something. He says the purpose of rewards is not incentive. Because think about it this way: if the purpose of a reward is an incentive, then you try to hold out the incentive to last moment. That's how it's usually used. If you want to get your kid to do homework, so you try to get as much homework out of him, the most bang for your buck, right? So you're not going to give him. You try to hold off giving it, dangle the carrot in front of him until you get as many minutes of homework done before you have to give it to him. Rambam says no. It's based on a zayar. I, I don't know if we should spend time going on it, but uh, uh, but I think I, I may quote it in here. If I remember. he brings a whole home with with, with, uh, Shimon Ben-Pazi, the point of giving a reward is to make it a pleasant atmosphere, right? You don't give a kid a candy for coming to shul. You come to shul because that's a good place to be. When you're in shul we happen to give you candy. So it creates an association of of pleasant feelings with whatever task that you're doing. In fact, therefore, says Rabbi, so you should try to give the reward as soon as possible, and he brings a riot from Yashin bin Pazi, he came to learn by Rabbi because he wanted to become rich. That was his deal. He's going to come learn by him if he makes him rich. And he agreed. And first Rabbi Yechan told the Tamiyim to call him, I'm sorry, it was Rav Pazi. He told the Tamiyim to call him Yashin the Gevir. Right? Yashin yeah, 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 the rich man. That worked for a little while until he was suddenly realized, even though he was calling him rich, he doesn't have a penny to his name. So he went back to complain. Eventually, he it says, then somebody died, left a lot of money to, to the yeshiva, so that he gave it all to the yaisi, and he actually was a rich man now. It says, then he started learning the simcha, and all of a sudden at some point he realized, what does he need all this money for? He asked, tired? Yonka come pause? He took it, all the money, gave it back to Rabbi to, Eichel, to, and he says, give it to name. Right, so he says, it shows M-daiq, in this in this zoyar that you see that he until uh, till he actually got the money he wasn't. And all the verses from here you see it didn't say it until he got rich. Because when he got what he really wanted, he was able to learn happily because he finally got what he really wanted. All of a sudden, he realized he doesn't even need it. And, and, and so that he says that it's not. And he says but then a, the at the end of the droshe. Somebody asks him a question. He says. It's not an incentive. And the article that was published, it's all about how it's an incentive. Now, so really, it's really the the, the relationship. That's really the number one. Our relationship with our students or with our children is the number one source of our influence. And I think we could all, if we think back to our years in school, some people have to think back longer than others, but if you think back to school, the teachers that the kids really liked right, that the teachers have to punish very often, have to give prizes. It just wasn't like that. A lot of people tell me, your parents tell me, oh, listen, if you're not strict with them, there's you, you, no way you can control them. I was them, think back to, you, to, to to the best teacher you ever had. Yeah, in sixth grade, you know, wherever. I said, all right. how often did that teacher punish you? Did she punish you all the time? Did she, no, she didn't. She hardly ever punished anybody. She hardly ever raised her voice. And everybody behaved. So obviously, now my, nobody's saying it's easy, but it's, okay, it's through the relationship. You know, Rav R- Watzem says, Rav, R- Rav, uh, Rav Shach writes from his uncle, from Rav Sezalman Meltzer the Rav Meltzer said that the first job of a teacher is to get the kids to like you because if they don't, you're basically wasting your time ok? it's in the cipher oh, I might quote in here. It's, I think I quote I, it's, it's in, uh, I think um, I don't remember but I think I have the quote in there these days, when I write papers, like all the footnotes are in Hebrew with original language. I used to just say, I'm here, I'm there, but then people probably made it up, so I, I have direct quotes now. Okay, now, uh, one of the ways that you can tell that you have this relationship is if the child continues even after he leaves school, or even if he's no longer in yeshiva... If he, if he comes back and wants to hear more, that shows that you've developed that type of relationship. That, that's a good sign, you know. If, if it's not just, okay, I have to follow the rules while I'm in school because otherwise I'll be in trouble or because I want to please the teacher. If even after you leave school or leave Yeshiva, you come back to your Rebbe and you ask for advice and for his guidance. So that's a simon that, 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 that you develop that type of relationship with them. I think it's also very important, you know, what happens is because schools and classes do need some rules, Right, that, 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 that's uh, you know uh, something we have. So what we, we often forget the purpose of of the uh, of, of the purpose of the rules. They get sort of lost. Reminds me. I remember it was a particular yeshiva I once visited, and the, the, the yeshiva had built a beautiful campus and they had a beautiful office. And somebody who had learned there many years said that you know they seem to forget that the, the whole purpose of the yeshiva and the office was for the bachurim, right? It seems like like the office became like its own empire. You know, like, like, it has its own purpose, not like, they forget what the original purpose. So since rules are necessary to have an orderly school or an orderly class, we sort of, they take a life of their own. You know, it, it reminds me, when, when I was a bacher, uh, my Chavusa had gotten engaged, and was, he, he, was getting, he was going up to Montreal for his chasna, and I was, my Mashiach was a Dover class a Chatzadik Levrach, who was an incredible Balmusser, and like who lived in a different universe, but he was very practical about certain things. See, a uh, few about a week before my chavrusa was going up to get married, my brother calls, calls me over and says, "You know, your chavrusa you know, was a yosim, and, and and he didn't have a father, and and." Uh, he says, I noticed that, you know, his clothes are not exactly so bakovidik. You know, he doesn't, he's not so mucked on the clothes he wears and things like that. I want you to go up with him. He was going up to Montreal a week before the chasna. Usually, Rav David made you leave, like, the last possible second, the last possible bus that you could possibly catch. You should have Seder. He's I to go up a week before, and I should make sure that he buys the proper clothing, and so on and so forth. I was, of course, very elated by like getting a week off with permission. <laughs> so I went up, I went to the chasna, I came back, I came to give Shem to Rav David so he asked me all you know, about the that I, You know, that I do my job that I make sure he bought the proper clothes and everything yeah everything is fine he says to me but you know I must tell you something you bottled terror for a week so I got all indignant I said, I, I said but the man told me to go he says yeah I'm not having tainas that you want you had to go but the so, man didn't learn for a week I don't have any tainas on you We just have to I, I'm not saying I really appreciated the time that he told me but what I did appreciate is, is the fact that he wasn't, he wasn't coming to have tainas on me that I broke a rule. He's concerned about If a doctor tells you you shouldn't smoke, but he's, he's afraid that you broke the rule, he's worried about your health. Like, when when, when somebody used to sleep late, he, he he never, like, gave you a knock because he broke the rules of the yeshiva. He was just be flabbergasted at how a person can, uh, any human being can possibly sleep with Krishna. He totally couldn't understand it. Again, we didn't exactly appreciate that, but we at least appreciated that, 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 that that's the way it's supposed to be. He wasn't worried about the rules, he was worried about us. You know, after he was Nifta, they got a younger Majviach. Uh, you know, it didn't have the same effect as he came more from the rules of the yeshiva. It didn't have the same flavor. Now, really, the truth is that um, instead of looking at the at the external, you know, just looking at the, ch- the chitsanias of the behavior, the, the, really what we should look at, in, to understand the plimias, we have to look at the chitsanias. We have to look at the... At, at where the child is coming, when the child acts in a way that's not appropriate or is not learning or is having difficulties, understanding the surroundings where he comes from is, is the way we can get to understand his premius or her premius. There's an amazing as I saw there's a sepher that came out recently, Benas Hamidas, it was put out by um, can we the name? Uh, Lawrence. No? Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah. Professor Lawrence from Coltera. Uh It's an unbelievable sepher. There's a story there in the introduction the Lawrence writes, the my was Rav Shach, which I had never seen before, it was an amazing story, that, uh, that there, was, there was a boy that uh, that they caught him being Michal Shabbos a few times in the dormitory. So the, the staff of the Yeshiva got together and decided they have no choice, they have to send him away from Yeshiva. So they went to Rav Shach to get permission to throw him out, uh, because that's really a alach, if it's considered Shail of Nefash, uh, you have to get rishus from a to do it. So enter he said was already this was toward the end of his life, he was extremely weak. And they so they tell him what happened, and Rashach says, So tell me, what is the Tarnosa Matzah in, in this boy's home? They all look at each other, how should we know? You know, we don't deal with tuition, how do we know? So he says, And what's a shalom vaiz matzah between the parents? Again, and how should we know? So Rav Shach, he's like, he, he describes it very dramatically. Rav Shach like, pushed himself off the table with tears streaming down his eyes. He says, write to him, I raised him my stool. Write, I write this. Like, the when somebody's out to kill somebody, right? I write this out of my house. He threw him out of the house. He threw a whole bunch of them out of his house. He said, you, 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 all you know to do is throw a kid out of his shoe. You don't even know what's going on in his life. Right? Anyways, of course, they were probably chastened and, and they went and looked into it and a week later the parents got divorced. Right, and there was absolutely no parnasa. There was a terrible parnasa not Now, so this idea is, you know, how could you understand what's going on inside of a child if you have no idea what's going on in his life? Yes.
1: Sorry, yeah. One of my children was acting out in school, mm-hmm. and the teacher called me, and she told me she was whatever, and I told her I think this child needs to feel valued and connected. So I told her maybe like choose her to do some type of project. But the point of it was not to give her the cardboard involved in Malden, being the one chosen, but let's use it as a means to connect mm. with her, you and me. Mm. So what happened? She came home. She told me, I got chosen when uh-huh. I said Come, let's take out all the lettering. Let's see which lettering you think Maura's going to like the most. Uh-huh. So it gave, it forced me to connect with her, and then she took it to school, and she yeah. had to go to Maura and say, Maura, which one do you think is, you know, would work? And the Maura spent a minute with her, talking to her, and then she came back home,
0: Oh, that. That's okay, out. it's beautiful that you get the a, a that you thought to follow the teacher and that she cooperated you know, with you. But, uh, you know, sometimes the things are much more dramatic than a child's individual needs. You know, you talk about one level, you know, even when things are normal, but, you know, each child has a certain need, and we have to try to be responsive to that need. But, you know, there, there are times that there it's, I, I see it sometimes with my patients who are going through unbelievable difficulties, all kinds of the craziest things going on in their life, and the yeshiva has no clue. They're reacting to his misbehavior, and nobody has any idea what's going on. You know, it's like such a disconnect. You know, and, 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 and you know, sometimes if I, if I know the people in the yeshiva, and I feel it's safe for the bachat to be open with the people there, and I, 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 you know, once they hear what's going on, you know, they take a different approach. But uh, very often, because they don't make these connections, I, 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 once, I once had a patient whose father had a drug problem which we knew about because he was a very respected person. And the boy was having a lot of problems and uh, they wanted to throw him out. Yeshiva, and I got permission from the boy and his parents, they, want to, they asked me to speak to the Rebbe and tell him what's, what's going on in the house. Maybe they won't throw him out. So I told him, you know, that his father has a drug problem and because of this, all this is happening. So the Rebbe says to me, he was a long-time Rebbe, he says, so who said there's anything to, who says that that has any impact? Like, you know, make it taste, how do you know this? You know, make it, taste, it has a connection. So, so I'm saying, but when, when you look at, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 um, I, I saw there was in the one of the latest Mishpacha, the mish, I think the, the Mishpacha in Hebrew, the one that came out last week, there was a very interesting story there. They have a, uh, a section called Echad uh, Mishalanu. So they had there from about, you know, there's an organization there in Israel called Chazdei Nomi. It's a very big organization gives out food to needy people. So the guy who runs it, who's been running, who's established it many years ago, is uh, Rav Yosef Kain. And he writes there about his life. He grew up in unbelievable poverty. No clothes, no food, no nothing. It was like a, a unbelievable poverty. And uh, that's what motivated him to get in to help poor people, and he started his whole organization. But he writes in the story how he was thrown out from one yeshiva to the next to obey him. The teachers, the Mechanchan called him stupid and lazy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And, and he says he wishes now sometimes to go find his old teachers and, and, and show them what became of him. But I was just thinking how sad it is. Like, I, I, they obviously didn't make any kind of, I don't know if they knew. So they, I, I, although the way he describes it, it, should be obvious he walked around in rags. And I, I don't think... They, you know, how, how do you call such a kid lazy? I, you know, obviously, you shouldn't call any kid lazy, but you know, I just find it's amazing what a disconnect there is of, of trying to understand where... A, when you just look again, it's, it's a type of chitzenius. You just look, the kid is misbehaving, that's all you know. You know and your assumption is he's lazy. Which in itself is a reason, I, I, always, I hardly ever find the laziness as an explanation of a problem. I, in fact, I can't remember in my 30-odd years of practice, I don't remember that was ever the source of a problem. I, I, I'll tell you why. I have a simple right. If, if a kid is getting 80s instead of 90s, that could be a form of laziness. Maybe it's, it doesn't feel it's worth it. They're perfectly happy with 80s, and why should they get 9? But a kid who's failing, calling that laziness or ascribing that to, attributing that to laziness would be like if you, if you were standing by the train waiting to catch the train and you know then you see somebody leaning over to see when the train is coming and he falls on the tracks and all of a sudden the train is approaching and he doesn't get up just sitting there what are the chances of it because of laziness somebody want to say that maybe because of laziness right? so you can say maybe he got hurt, maybe he's in shock but your laziness is probably not the reason why he's not getting out of the way right? so when a kid is failing miserably in life to think that because of laziness... You know, they sometimes have stories, human interest stories in the paper about the homeless, and they find a certain guy who's homeless. He has, like, a degree from Harvard and a degree from MIT and the face of us, right? He could probably tomorrow get a job and make, you know, a quarter of a million dollars a year, and he's homeless. Now, what are the is because he's lazy? He'd rather live on the street in the freezing cold, rather than get a good job with, you know, with good pay and live in a beautiful house, right? So you usually have drug problems or some other psychiatric problems, right? It's highly unlikely because of laziness. It's a very superficial way of looking at it. Now, again, just to reiterate what I said before, that the, the, the problem, the reason why we get so focused on the, on, 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 you know, many times when we look for, sometimes when parents have problems with their kids and they ask you for advice, they want techniques. And I tell them, the problem is not a technique. You look at your child in such a negative way, so you respond in the way that makes sense to you. The way you look at him, I can't give you a better technique. According to the shitase, the shitascha, this is a good technique. I just look at it completely different. There was actually a study that I often repeat over, because I think it was a fascinating study study by a guy named Strasberg. Made a study quite a few years ago. He took two groups of mothers, one who had difficulty with their children and one who didn't, with their young children. And he did a very interesting uh, experiment he showed the parents video clips of regular kids' behavior. It's like a a typical thing would be a kid playing on the floor with his toys, and the mother says, "Okay, Johnny, put away your toys. It's time to go to sleep. And Johnny says, Oh, come on, I don't want to move game. I don't want to go to sleep. That's the whole thing. Then they asked both both group of parents to write a description of what you saw. That's it. Just describe what you saw. Incredible difference. The the mothers who didn't have particularly difficult with their kids wrote, you know, uh, this is a uh, kid. You know, doesn't want to go to sleep. You know, needs to be cajoled to go to sleep. Whatever. You know, whatever. another one wrote, "This is a kid who's rebelling against his parents, <laughs> wants to overthrow his mother's authority, etc., etc." So you can't talk about techniques if that's what you think is going on. If the government thinks that somebody's trying to overcome, you know, to overthrow the government, you have to put him in jail. Right. So I think our perspective is something that needs to be, you know, uh, 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 explored so that we have the right attitude. Now you, might, now, you might think I'm somewhat exaggerating, so let me tell you, I want to quote to you something which I find incredibly frightening, mostly because I think I was the only one who picked it up. You know, they have these Midos, uh, these organizations that have these Midos projects, so a few well-known ones that they give out pamphlets and contests and workbooks and things like that. So there's one very well-known one, I won't mention the name, that had, you know, it's a very popular program, Midos program so they uh, somebody showed me one of their uh, newsletters periodic newsletters they put out so this was about Kibda okay so uh, they bring down the story of Dumbud bin Nasina, the morning Kedushin the Roman officer whose mother ripped off his uh, shirt and he didn't react it's one of the most well known stories from from every child knows that story even if he doesn't know nothing else from Chazal that one he knows of course nobody one of the most well guarded secrets in the world you might think it's atomic an atomic bomb I must tell you that doesn't appear one of the most well kept secrets in the universe is what Tysus says on that Gemara I don't think I'm sure hardly anybody here knows about it unless you read my article uh, Tysis, I was the I never knew about it uh, Tysis says that his mother was with Terephus she had Alzheimer's it wasn't a regular case in fact the Yanshu Shleim the Marshal compares this Gemara with the Gemara with Rabiesi I forgot that he ran away to to get away from his mother who was driving him crazy and he said well, well how come so he said well by her by Rubiesi it, it came from Rishis by his mother and by Domba Mendesina, she had Alzheimer's big difference okay but anyways that's not the point of this of course this did not say anything about that in this workbook but this is why I quote from this workbook after brought down the story it says the following the key to such awesome self-control that Domba Mendesina had is developing the proper attitude we are instructed, and he quotes from the Eredea, one should not respond negatively to his parents, but should remain silent and fear the Melch Macha Amlachim who had instructed him to do so. Now this is from the editors of this newsletter, their comments. For, were a mortal king to instruct us to fulfill a difficult request, would we question his instructions? Then in parentheses, for example, if Saddam Hussein told you the sky is purple, would you dare argue? No. Okay. Okay, so Melch Machay and Saddam Hussein, before you capture it, it's Saddam Hussein, right? And the reason why you should listen is not a benevolent king who has your best interests at in heart. Like the doctor telling you not to smoke. It's because you will be tortured by this cruel person who loves torturing people. This is written, this went on all the schools, in many, many schools, many yeshivas, and as far as I know, my patient who showed it to me is the only one who... <laughs> in fact, I called the people who run this organization... And what I, what I heard in response was frightening. I won't. I won't go into it. And I spoke to the Rav who gives his okay to this or to his his this thing, and he told me maybe it wasn't the best choice of examples. But I must tell you, I don't think it's the wrong choice. I think it's because that's how they look at it. That is exactly how they perceive it. That we need to be enforced because if we let them run wild, we need to be Hussein and that's the only way we're going to be able to control them. Recently, I, I spoke. A <laughs> yeshiva just wants to Yeah, go ahead. I just yeah.
1: As a parent, it's frightening when you are raising your children within this environment. And you want them in these schools, and I, I've seen this many times. My kid is the kid that comes with the prizes, so then you try to minimize the prizes, but you don't want to minimize the child. You want to minimize. What do you do when you're living in such a world where this is this is what this is? This is a, and these are the she I, I not I, I have to hold my breath. I know, I know. One of my grandchildren, one of my grandchildren,
0: usually has usually has the most points of whatever contest they have there. And one day he, said, he told he told my daughter he doesn't want to go to school because some other kid has more points than him. Even though she tries to minimize it, and uh, you know, it's very hard. Yeah. Um,
1: one of my same daughter came home with a sticker. She said, mommy, I got a sticker today because I, whatever. Yeah. And I said, what if tomorrow you also behave, but mama didn't see, I'm yeah. going to give you a sticker. Did you behave, you know, good for no reason? Yeah. And she go to bed, and I said, you know, Hashem, in Hashem's book, everything yeah. is written yeah. down, yeah. and yeah. Hashem's, you know, sticker is still on right. <laughs> yeah,
0: It's very important to bring that out to them, so they should try to internalize reason. Yes.
1: The whole adult environment, not the whole. Some of the adult environment is that for a lot of the things you're saying, and that's why. Even, I don't want to say this, but even the schools in general, schools yeah. of are very competitive, even staff ones. Who puts on a better play? Who does a better this? Who's better gama Who's better So this is what the kids are drinking, what they're seeing. Okay. So you can't sell other things than you show them. Kids learn by example, not from what you tell them.